Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's not uncommon for students to feel a sense of dread or anxiety once summer's over and school is back in session. However, for some, these emotions are a constant and can be indicative of a larger problem. One big issue is the extreme level of pressure adolescents face these days. Whether it's school, sports, or hobbies, there's an endless push to come out on top. One expert chiming in on this epidemic is Jennifer Bruheny Wallace, a journalist and contributor to The Wall Street Journal and The Washington Post. She's also the author of Never Enough, When Achievement Culture Becomes Toxic and What We Can Do About It. Children and the adults in their lives have come to look at achievement as either a lack of achievement as an indictment against their worth or achievement as their worth. And that's when it becomes toxic, when our worth is tied and tangled up in our achievements. And that's happening with too many kids today. And it's leading to a rise of anxiety, depression, and suicide ideation among our youth. And the Surgeon General has pointed that out. It's that never enough feeling. Wallace says that she's not anti-achievement or anti-ambition, but it's important for young people as well as adults to separate self-worth from performance. She adds that this isn't an easy thing to do, especially in modern society where competition is fierce. In the 1970s, when I was growing up, life was generally more affordable. You could afford housing, Real estate was more affordable. Higher education was more affordable. Healthcare was more affordable. Food was more affordable. Everything was more affordable. So a parent could be a bit more relaxed in their parenting and still believe that their child would do okay with some setbacks and mistakes and failures. But in the last few years, we have seen a huge shift. We are in the midst of some of the greatest inequality we've ever experienced as a country. There's been the crush of the middle class globalization, hyper-competition, and parents are becoming, in the words of researchers, social conduits, absorbing these macroeconomic pressures, and it's coming out in how we parent. And this is not to blame parents. This is not parents' fault. Our job as parents is to raise kids who will survive and thrive in adulthood when we are no longer around. As Wallace said, parents are not solely to blame. This culture is ingrained into society, while wellness is often pushed aside. A packed school and study schedule means little time to de-stress, relax, and get enough sleep. On average, teens need between 8 and 10 hours of shut-eye per night. But a recent poll by the National Sleep Foundation found that 70% of high school students aren't reaching this on school nights. These challenges make things harder for students across the board. And for those at a top private school or in an accelerated program, the pressure can feel inescapable. In 2019, I wrote an article for the Washington Post reporting that two national policy reports were now naming kids in what researchers call high-achieving schools. Those are 
competitive public and private schools around the country, that those kids were now officially an at-risk group after kids in poverty, after kids with incarcerated parents, recent immigrants, and children in foster care. These students attending these competitive schools are now at risk for two to six times the clinical rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide ideation found in these communities compared to the average American teen. And so, you know, these kids who are given all of these opportunities, it was really startling as both a parent and a researcher to see that these kids were now officially at risk. Wallace reminds us that there's a healthy balance between encouraging adolescence versus promoting toxic achievement culture. She recommends looking inwards and asking these four important questions. One is to look at your child's calendar. See how they're spending their time outside of school. Then look at where, as a parent, you spend your money as it relates to your child. Is a lot of the money spent in resume-enriching activities? Third is, what do you ask your child about? When they come home from school, what are the conversations that you're asking them about? And the fourth thing is, what do you argue with your child about? You can also apply the same logic to yourself by modifying these questions. Do you tend to connect your own self-worth with how you perform? What are some of the internal negative dialogues that run through your head on a given day? Wallace believes it's important to consider these aspects as well. One of the biggest takeaways of the book is that the number one intervention for any child in distress is to make sure that the primary caregiver, most often the mother or the father, that the primary caregiver's resilience and well-being and mental health is intact because a child's resilience rests fundamentally on their caregiver's resilience. And we can't be the first responders to our kids' struggles if we are not filled ourselves. At the end of the day, there's more to life than making the honor roll or a varsity team. However, it's much harder to shake this feeling of failure as a young person. For parents listening, Wallace says it's vital to keep an open dialogue with your children. Keep reinforcing the personal value they add instead of focusing on accomplishments. If you have time, you can also get involved with their school by attending a school board meeting. This is a great setting to start a conversation on how the administration can better support students. What are the values that are being signaled to the kids? Are all of the students that attend your school, do they all feel like they matter? Do they all feel valued? Or do only certain kids get the message that they're valued? Those who make the honor roll, those who make the A-team. There are organizations around the country that go into schools and give them mental health well-being report cards. That's a first step in finding out what your students' mental health is like. So Challenge Success is one nonprofit, Authentic Connections is another, and they will go in there with these really useful, scientifically backed surveys to see the stressors and to point educators to ways where they can start buffering against excessive pressure. To find links and resources to the organizations mentioned and find out more about Jennifer Bruheny Wallace, visit viewpointsradio.org. For more behind the scenes, check out Viewpoints Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This segment was written and produced by Grace Galanti. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Our studio manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Gary Price. Coming up on Viewpoints.
It is so easy. With a couple buttons, you can get a new credit card. With a couple click of the buttons on your phone, you can order anything you want and have it one day shipped to your house. It's no surprise that credit card debt and delinquencies are on the rise. Then, as the streamers have been making more and more money, musicians have been making less and less. Actors aren't the only ones fed up with streaming services. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows and find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints.